What's going on, everybody? Look, don't adjust your dials. This is happening. It may not be Saturday, but we are getting the fantasy uh, walkabout in. Uh, this is May 23rd, so a little bit different on the timing here. A couple days late, but we did get it in. This is a Full Tilt Dynasty podcast presenting the triple play fantasy walkabout. Of course, we are partnered up with Underdog, which you can see right there in the middle. We are streaming exclusively on triple play. Uh, triple play fantasy on the YouTube. We do have a couple of the Twitter ones up because of course you have to a little bit, just, just a smidge, but you will be able to find this show in its entirety on triple play afterwards. That is going to be its home. You can of course also find our other podcasts over there on the true North fantasy network. We're all over the place. We're going to continue to be all over the place. Well, cause that's how we roll and it ain't stopping now. Obviously the man to my I guess to my opposite uh, <laughs> is not Australian. Uh, it, it is I have been Billy. to Australia. He I has have, been. I have been to Australia, so that's going to have to be good enough today. That's but, good enough for the walkabout. You know what? I'm still recovering from the Milwaukee Bucks loss, and mm. instead of coming back right away to full tilt and having to look Jacob in a smug face for an entire hour, I figured I should ease myself in. And start off with the walkabout. And our boy Tom Lee was nice enough to let me come on. Very grateful to get to come on and talk about probably the most hot button, hot, ooh, hot button topic that one can talk about with our boy Thomas Tipple. And right. that is, as always, the AFC North. They're looking right. at the title. I can spoil that. <laughs> Look, so one of the things we were going to start doing on the fantasy walkabout is every week we're going to take two teams. We're going to look at how they did last year throughout fantasy. We're going to go over who's not there anymore. Who's got a new spot. Who's got a new job. Who's got a new role and what the fantasy implications of those things are and whether or not we think they're going to be able to replicate for the players that are coming in for the replicate with the players that are leaving uh, pulled off and or just how it's going to shake out in general and what to do with those players on your rosters. That means there is a ton to get through. I know that's like a every show imaginable like trope. We got a lot to get through today. It's a lot of great stuff on this show today. If you didn't already know that, I mean, welcome. That's a pleasant surprise. But of course, yeah, you can find me at Thomas Tipple FF over there in the bird app. You can find Billy over there at Big Billy FF. And you can go and follow at Dynasty Tilt. The show's starting off a little different because it's kind of a bonus episode. And if you're familiar with our bonus episodes, we go off the fucking rails right away. I would say we're right I'm about. I'm already here. seething. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just boiling. Yeah. Okay. Look, let's regroup. We are going to talk <laughs> AFC North, but. There was a little bit of news today, so now we can do, do we give a shit? Do we give a shit that every player in the league is in the best shape of their life? I, I, yeah. I don't, that, that's going to be what I'm focusing on right now. Uh, we talk a lot about coach speak, and I don't care about coach speak. The only thing, the only time I care about coach speak or GM speak or training camp videos is if it benefits my narrative for me trading away players <laughs> in my yeah. dynasty leagues. Other than that, I don't care. I think the funniest, the funniest um, uh, coach speak 
that was is the Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne. Oh, his gut's yeah. gone. He's not he's not a fat fuck anymore, which is basically what it basically what it was. He actually is a pro athlete now. I think that was yeah. the funniest of the best shape. Also, like hearing what I'm hearing about Travis Etienne, which if yeah. you listen to Cash Considerations on Saturday with Jacob and I, you would have heard a ton of Travis Etienne rhetoric. And if you've been on the Bird app, he's just been shouting it from the rooftop. So. Yeah. There's that. What do you or do you not give a shit about within the news of the NFL cycle? Yeah, there, there's very little that me and Jacob continuously agree on. And I think there's one thing we continuously agree on more than anything else. And it's no news is not good news when it comes to fantasy football. Like a lot of times when there's a player who you're not hearing about from coaching that's when you need to worry. So there's been a lot of news coming out that various like injury prone players are hurt or coming back. Like Rashad Penny is already dealing with a hamstring issue. Oh, I I wanted Penny to run for 1700 yards this year, but what, like some of the other things that came out, like Paris Campbell supposedly in the best shape of his life and healthier than he's been since he started college. Like st- stuff like that is interesting to me. Like I like looking for little nuggets of value. I just don't think I, if you're listening to this show, there's a good chance the people you're playing fantasy football with are also kind of in the same space where they're also like getting these same sleeper notifications. And on yeah, exactly. Too. Like, unless you're playing with people that are not in tune with this stuff, you're not going to get a benefit from them. And the people that are in tune with this stuff are probably smart enough to know that it's not really, it's not really terribly important. So I think a lot of it has to come with, as soon as that sleeper notification comes, you got to be quick with something. Like you, you gotta, you gotta jump on it quick because people need to like see a deal, take it like that. That's usually the fastest way to go, go about it. And we, one thing that we always say on the walkabout is you need to be lying your ass off in every league that you're in. Lying your ass oh, off, yeah. lie your ass off to get your, your deals done. If you're not lying, you're not trying. So that's that. It's been, we're about seven minutes in. We're finally on a pace. We're finally on our feet hey. and we're off and running. We're t- going to take a quick second clip from our show last week with uh, Noah Hills. When we come back, we're going to start getting into all 32 teams. We're going to hit our first two teams of this 32-team event uh, for uh, fantasy applications, so sit tight. There's a reason that the guys who get drafted highly get the most opportunity, and it's not always because they're the best players. It's because the teams have invested in them, and so that's always going to be a situation. And so I guess for the most part, I would say yes, that the guys who get the most carries generally deserve them, but I don't think that's always the case. Strong Noah takes, Hill. Takes. Yeah, that Noah Hill is one of the smartest people I've ever spoken to. And it it the rest of that kind of doesn't matter if a player is good or not. Sometimes a coach will just throw a running back in there because they're comfortable with them. And I think that is a horrifying uh, predicament, right? They're going to constantly try to put this, you know, square peg and try to slam it into a round hole. 
And no matter what, even if they're inefficient, not good, they're just a trusted veteran running back, and they're going to get put in that spot anyway. So not all carries yeah. are earned uh, the same way that you, you can't compare targets being earned to carries being earned. I just don't think you can do that. Quick shout out to uh, Duke Johnson, who had multiple 20 carry games last year with more than 100 yards. Did he? Yeah, with Miami. Oh my God. Okay. Interesting. Didn't know that. Duke Johnson was out there balling last year. So we are kicking off the 32 teams with two teams from the AFC North. And next week we'll be doing two NFC North and back to AFC North. Then we're going to finish off the NFC North. That's how it's going to go. Two, 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 and two. And that way we're all not just talking about the same division. So we're going to look at Pittsburgh. The offense looks different. The offensive line looks worse. I didn't think that was possible, but the offensive line in Pittsburgh is worse. So if you care about that sort of thing, all right. But obviously, new quarterbacks, we're saying goodbye to Big Ben. So long, Big Ben. Thank you for having you in the NFL. Uh, regardless of how I think about you as a human, uh, you are you had, you had a pretty damn good career. But that means Mitch Trubisky, who got to be energetic and excited about being the starter for about a month. Uh, because they obviously drafted Kenny Pickett at uh, the 20th pick this year. Of course, Najee Harris, he's going to lead the way. Benny Snell Jr. is still listed as the backup, so obviously here comes another 500 touches for Najee. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool have a new running mate in George Pickens. They also picked up Miles Boykin from Baltimore, and they drafted Calvin Austin the third and Gunner uh, from – I'm not even going to try to enunciate that last name. from Gunner Olszewski. Sure. From New England, Pat Farmuth, who I apparently had to fight a war against today. Um, oh my God, that conversation. You can go onto my, my, at where my Twitter thing is down there and you can shout that out the thing. Twitter argument if live you, uh, on the show. One yeet. There we go. One yeet. That's right. Um, yeah, I had to. That, that drove me crazy. Uh, we care about fullbacks on this show. This is Derek Watt. He's back. And again, the offensive line, just not great. So, Billy, lots to talk about when it comes to the Pittsburgh offense. As a whole, they were pretty good for fantasy. The PFF grades are okay for two of them with Pat Fryermuth leading the way with a 75.2 grade. Deontay Johnson was number two at 73.8. Uh, and after that, it's Chase Claypool, 68.4. And I want to point out that Najee Harris's PFF grades, not great. 62.3 with the run, seven, uh, 60, oh, oh my God, 62.5 in the pass, and he was an under 70 grade total. Not an efficient man, wasn't a good player, good for fantasy over the first half, not even the back half. I'm not even going to give him that one. So obviously lots of room to grow in Pittsburgh. Uh, and look, they threw the ball a lot. They were six in the league, 605 passing attempts for big Ben this year. They were they had the third most passing plays in the league, 38.7, which is insane to me, but we're going to start with the, we're going to start with the quarterback spot, right? Let's start with big Ben and how we think the Pittsburgh quarterbacks are going to uh, really play this one out. Like I said, passing attempts, sixth, passing plays per game. Third, he led the league in danger plays. That is not good. <laughs> Interceptable passes. He had 39 interceptable passes. That was good for fourth. He was the 30th in yards per attempt, however. Obviously, the joke was Pittsburgh cannot throw the ball past five yards. They cannot throw the ball past five yards. 
Well, we don't know if they're still going to be able to. And obviously his PFF passing grade was 34th at a 52.8. That is fucking abysmal. But he still put up quarterback two numbers, which is why quarterbacks don't matter as much as Superflex as you might think. 14.3 points per game. He has an expected fantasy point of 17.8, which would have been 15th. So obviously that op- offense operated poorly behind center. Billy, the big question is, does Kenny Pickett start week – this is a two-parter. Does Kenny Pickett start week one? And if and or when Kenny Pickett does start and take over, which I don't think they'll start Kenny Pickett week one. I'll tell you why when you're done. Uh, does he take over week one or when he does take over, does this offense actually get any better or as – Toronto Dave in the chat is saying, can't see the offense getting worse. Can it question mark? Yeah. This Steelers offense, I think is legitimately, and I'm very excited. I was on the show for this. The most interesting offense in the league right now, because Mm. I think there is so much value sitting here that so many players could go up and down depending on how stuff shakes out. So I'll, I'll answer your first question to start. I don't think Pickett's starting week one. They signed Trubisky. Trubisky was probably the top free agent quarterback this year. Uh, I, I can't think of anyone. Sands like Mariota. Yeah, but, it's, not, it's not a good thing, but yeah. No, I guess technically you could count Jameis, but he re-signed, so fuck it. But like all, all that to say, I don't think Pickett is starting. They signed Trubisky. They want to give him a shot. Let the guy try to play into his next contract. I think that's a great thing. They drafted Pickett to be the starter. I think Pickett is probably going to be starting before week eight. I think that's pretty strong to say. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sooner, but I think all that kind of depends on Trubisky. I think we're looking at, uh, it's funny to say this in such a vastly different dichotomy than it was a couple of years ago. I think we're going to be looking at uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick to a Tonga situation where they're bringing in Trubisky. And they're like, Trubisky, we're going to give you the ball until the bye this week or this season. And after that, whether you're throwing on pace for 5,000 yards, 80 touchdowns, whatever, we're giving the ball to Kenny. We are giving you the chance to play into your contract. Here, here is your shot. And this this year, that bye week is week nine for them. So I, I could see that happening. The, the answer to your second question is I have no idea. I've been talking so much. I, I, I've been highlighting my most drafted players uh, this last week in rookie drafts, and they've been Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, and Greg Dolchich. And I think Kenny Pickett is vastly undervalued in terms of rookie picks this year. I mean, he he's right now in the situation where everyone goes, well, if you get the 108, at least you get Kenny Pickett because that's just how far he's fallen unless someone who really needs a quarterback is going ahead and drafting based on need. But Kenny Pickett legitimately is going into probably a top seven wide receiving core in the league on top of one of the best receiving backs in the league. And that receiving back, I think is where the most interesting thing comes into play. Najee Harris had over 300 carries last year. He also had an unbelievable amount of targets, led the league as a running back in targets. So the question is, and this is a question on everyone's mind, and I think everyone has an opinion on it, but 
is Najee Harris's targets going to drop significantly now that they, they have, have a quarterback to. with an arm? They have to. But what's going to happen? Are his carries going to go up? Are they going to be able to run the ball more? Probably I not. I don't think but, there's there's no way. There is no way they give Najee Harris that many touches. Again. Exactly. And they he's can't. not he's not an efficient player. That's the biggest thing. Right now, we're looking at a situation if Najee Harris continues his usage behind that O-line, I don't think he's making it to a second contract. So now we're looking at all this value decrease in Najee Harris. Let's say we take off 30 targets and 50 rushes. That's going to significantly decrease his value moving forward. I think Najee Harris is looking at, you know, he was a top, he was run back, I believe it was four this last year in PPR. He, I think he's moving to the back of that top 10. But again, just because that, I, I think there's so much potential moving forward with these other guys. And well, one thing I said and have been still saying, he really is just James Conner with, with more flair. Like that, ah. that it is the same way he's operating in that offense. Like you said, he's not very efficient. Okay. While I was, a little bit stalling for time. You said there's value to be had here, and I don't know if there is if given where positionally these players are being taken. So check this out. Najee Harris, positionally, 2.2, according to DLF. So he's the second running back being drafted right now. Pat Fryermuth has moved up to eight in tight ends, which I, I think that. is insane to me. Uh, Deontay Johnson, 12th receiver. I like that. Kenny Pickett is the 24th quarterback off the board. Don't mind that. Mitch Trubisky, 32nd. Chase Claypool, 30. We'll call 34. George Pickens, 44. That is a lot of players inside the top 50 from Pittsburgh. And And I, you listed five players there, six players there. I'm willing to bet I take three or four out of ADP. That's seven players there. But here's the problem is none of them were that good last year as outside of Deontay Johnson and Najee. You can argue with me all you want on Pat Frymuth. We're going to talk about Frymuth right now uh, in this little section here. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. His points are game. Not good. Very touchdown heavy. And I don't know if this offense is going to get him more touchdowns, if he'll regress, if he finishes with seventh. Like the chances of him like super smash hit breaking out outside of what he did last year already is slim to me. I don't see it. Uh, not at all. But like you said, with Najee Harris, he had 307 carries last year, second in the league. He had 94 targets. He had 5.5 per game, number one at running back. He had 1,200 rushing yards, was fourth in the NFL. None of those yards were efficient yards. Uh, he had 467 receiving yards on 74 receptions. Inefficient. Uh, he had an under four yards per carry. The offensive line got worse. His target share was really good at fifth. His, he had actually had 58 slot snaps, which I thought was very interesting. They ran the hurry up quite a bit. He had 17.7 fantasy points per game, pretty damn good, but expected fantasy points per game of 19.3. He finished a t- two full points below expected uh, for his workload last year and what he could do with it. So I don't know if anything that we listed is going to be a positive for Najee Harris, aside from the fact that they didn't bring anyone in. So it's the Najee show. And then if that offense can't run through Najee Harris, I'm now concerned for everyone 
except for Deontay Johnson. I am not concerned about Deontay Johnson. Ben was bad. Ben was bad. We talked earlier in the show about how bad Ben actually was, and you could not watch Steelers games. You couldn't watch them. You just checked Deontay Johnson's and Najee Harris's scores at the end of the day, and you were either happy or really sad, but mostly happy. But why I'm not scared for Deontay Johnson is 169 targets are not just disappearing. You're right. Hey, I'm, I'm I, all for that. I know. I'm, I'm, I got to tell the people. We got to tell the people. So Deontay Johnson had 169 targets last year, 10.6 per game. That was second in the league. He had 107 receptions. That's almost 7.7. Or sorry. Oh my God. That's almost seven per game. He was fifth in the league. Yards, 1,100. 107 receptions and only having 1,100 yards speaks volumes of the fact that he could not get a ball past five yards accurately uh, or often enough. He had eight touchdowns, which is 12. Pretty damn good. Now that number, I'm a little worried. Touchdowns aren't sticky. He could drop in touchdowns. He he could spike in. T- I don't see him spiking up in touchdowns with a rookie quarterback who's like 35 and then a guy who got run out of Chicago for being terrible. Um just terrible, but he plays out wide, uh, out wide 92.9%. So the, the whole, he needs to be inside gimmick. Uh, not really his yards per route run 1.95. That's 30th. Not great. But again, can't help it when you're just being peppered inside five yards. His target share is 28.5%. We love to see the target share numbers that sticky 26% in the red zone. He only had 24 deep targets. 24 out of his 169 targets were quote-unquote deep, which, if I'm not mistaken, is 15 or more yards. I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like I should know that. But let's just say if it's 20 yards. That's not 24 out of 169 targets just shows you how little he was used in the deep game. And that's that's not great for him. But his fantasy points per game, 8th at the position, 17.2. His expected, 17.8. We call that even. That's that's as close to even, Steven, as you're going to get. He did exactly what he was supposed to do in that offense. Not worried about him. We also have David. David Mendelson of Triple Play. He's hanging out. He's chilling here. What up, yo? But um, Deontay Johnson's PFF grade, 73.8. Now, is Deontay Johnson more likely to give you back his ADP? I think he is. I think he's a top 12 wide receiver in the NFL. I think his target share is sticky. Targets are sticky. I think even in an absolutely putrid offense last year, he was quite far and away the most effective player. I don't expect Pickens to come in and eat in too much. I don't expect Calvin Austin to come in and eat too much. And even if they do, that means they aren't running the ball or dumping it off as much to Najee. I don't think... um, I just, I'm not worried. There's going to be ways to get him his, his targets. I think in my mind, 155, 160 targets should almost be a lock for Deontay Johnson at this point. Billy, you're out of the receiving core. What are you looking at? Do you think they're getting their returns back or are you packing it in? Man, you just keep going. You're giving me 7,000 things to respond to. I have yeah. no idea where I'm going to start. So uh, first yeah, off. You have it in front of you. You you talk to the people. First off, yes, I agree. Najee Harris, I think we saw his ceiling last year, unless he's going to become a significantly more efficient player. Like, I I don't see him really 
hitting that Christian McCaffrey levels of receiving back where he's just lock and load every, every year. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, moving down, like, I think those targets, 94 targets, I think you could easily cut 30 off of that. Yeah, Just because the, the the capabilities of their quarterback to throw downfield comfortably are developing. And I think, legitimately, you can give 20 of those to Pat Fryermuth. That That's my starting point. So I don't agree all this is that. to say, I'm sure you don't, but <laughs> I, I'm not surprised with that. But... When, when we look at the tight end position, there's some things we historically know. Tight ends are typically used in a pass-catching offense as a safety valve, and they are loved by rookie quarterbacks. Those are two things that are very easy. And one of the best things to tackle with rookie tight ends is the fact that we are looking at a player who is the definition of a safety valve in Pat Fryermuth. Like, that is what he does best he's not this like johnny smith streak down the field 90 yard touchdown he's not this inline blocker player he is a guy with a limited route tree that can run it precisely and do it very well all that's to say i think pratt fryermuth is going to get a lot of love from kenny pickett in particular but also mitch trubisky when he's playing now the other thing i want to tackle is Deontay Johnson's insane target total. You you said 150, 160 is a lock. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a lock. I, I'm inclined to say sure on that. I, I don't really think there's a way that Deontay Johnson isn't getting love at that target share. I think, one, the passing rate in that offense is going to come down. But I think the efficiency is going to go up because – their division is flipping insane. If the Steelers oh, were good, if the Steelers were good, we could legitimately be putting them in contention with the Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders level. But I don't the Steelers, think the roster's that good. The Steelers, that's what I'm saying. The Steelers are weighing them down. But like they, they are – if they're going to win – or be competitive in six of their games this year against the Browns, the Bengals, and the Ravens, they need to move the ball effectively. Sure. And that efficiency, that effective movement to the ball was not coming from Najee Harris last year. And I think part of that is going to be coming from their quarterback position, which is Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. And there's one thing that Kenny Pickett did really well at the college level and that's a deep ball. That's one thing he did phenomenally well. So my prediction this year is that Deontay Johnson may come down, but be a little bit more efficient and sit right at his his regular points per game. If he finishes inside the top 10, fine. The only thing that bugs me about Deontay is we aren't really seeing a ceiling, like a max ceiling from him compared to some of the other guys drafted there. But if we well, want to talk about ceiling... If his ceiling is a top 12 wide receiver, I think his ceiling is fine. Yeah, but that ceiling is that ceiling is Robert Woods' top 12. It's great, but you know, I don't think we're gonna get 40 point games every week or in a week from Deontay Johnson, which is fine. That that's totally fine. 
So when you say his regular points per game, you mean more like his last year at 14.8, which was 22nd? No, I, I'm hang on. I, I don't have stats on this. I got like <laughs> Deont- Deontay Johnson is not a big game guy. He's not like Jamar Chase, where he's going to get these well, 50. No. That's what I'm trying to say. And Toronto Dave is getting to my point before you allowed me to, in that I think the big play guy this this year, the one who's going to spur this team to be able to be competitive in their division is the villain of the NFL who everyone suddenly hated because he got on TikTok every once in a while. It's oh my God. Chase if you're a Claypool. grown man with a hard opinion about TikTok, I just side rant. If you're a grown adult that has an issue with somebody making TikToks, you have a bigger problem than Chase fucking Claypool. The problem is inward. Get over it. Mute the word TikToks on your Twitter and you will be fine. Get over it. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I, I think legitimately the the biggest benefactor from this team become, becoming better is Chase Claypool. Like he, that is what he does best. He is a gigantic dude who just sprints. Like that, that's what he does. And right. to, to go back to what I was saying with Deontay Johnson, last year he was wide receiver eight and his max game was 30 points. That's phenomenal. But, I mean, when you look at that game and you're tackling, you know, he got eight receptions, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. Stuff like that just isn't sticky. Whereas Chase Claypool could easily get, you know, that same amount of receptions, pull an extra 50 yards down, and the same amount of touchdowns. That That's all I'm trying to say. But Yeah, I can agree I, with I can vibe with that. But let's talk about Chase Claypool then. Uh, okay, 105 targets last year. Not bad. When you look at his rookie year, he had 110 targets, so he kept it about the same. He had 62 receptions in 2020, 59 in 2021, 873 in 2020, 860 in 2021. He averaged 14.1 yards per reception in 2020, 14.6 in 2021. He had 1,448 air yards in 2020, 1,203 in 2021. Big difference here, but... Not a big difference in his uh, his final scoring, which is my problem. Nine receiving touchdowns in 2020, two receiving touchdowns in 2021. And why I don't think it will be Chase Claypool season, 35 points per game with those nine receiving touchdowns. Or sorry, 13 point. Oh my God, I almost screwed that up. 13.4 points per game with those nine receiving touchdowns. Good for 35th. He had two receiving touchdowns last year and had 11.1 points per game. Even his touchdowns, nine touchdowns, did not help vault Chase Claypool into that upper echelon of even a, like even a wide receiver too. He couldn't do it weekly. I don't think a rookie quarterback uh, with quote-unquote more target competition is, is good for Claypool. I think that Claypool is, he was already losing snaps last year. He was already towards the end of the year losing targets. He's quite clearly not in favor with their head coach. Pickens is, I'm going to guess, a likely quote-unquote substitute for him. I I don't think Chase Claypool is destined to be a stealer, and that'll end up being good for him in my opinion, but you're going to add a rookie quarterback into that mix. I don't, I don't see him taking any sort of reasonable step. And even if you want to give it to Friar Muth, even if you think Friar Muth is going to be the difference 
as the safety valve. Do you remember who the other safety valve used to be at tight end, not named Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh? Remember? McDonald. Nah, it was Heath Miller, who was oh. their tight end from 2005 to technically 2016. Heath Miller only finished in the top 12, let's see, one, two, three, four times in his career as a tight end in Pittsburgh. Uh, so if let's just say that's a, that's a good career. That's a really good career. Let's say Pat Farmuth is that. Okay. Yeah. Toronto Dave gets it. Heath, he gets it. Uh, that's still just kind of okay. And that means I'm out. So for all the Pat Farmuth discord, if his ceiling is Heath Miller, see you later at, at his current prices. Goodbye. Yeet. Uh, big yeet. So with the Steelers, they had 419 targets go to wide receivers. They had 109 targets go to running backs. And they had 125 targets go to their tight ends. You're saying that it's more than likely that, let's say, 20 more targets get taken to the tight ends. Let's say we add 10 to the receivers and they drop 30 from the running backs. I don't think that's bad. I don't think I don't, I, I think that'll be okay, but I think this offense is still one that I don't want too many pieces of. In Dynasty, I don't want Najee Harris in Dynasty. I want him gone. I don't want... Pick it in on my dynasty teams if I can help it, uh, yeah, especially at his ADP. There's just other players that I would take. Chase Claypool, I actually am buying at a discount because I think he is a decent player, just not in Pittsburgh. And Deontay Johnson, I think, is definitely going to return value at his spot. What say you about the Pittsburgh Steelers players? Final thoughts before we move on. Yeah, I think Trubisky is a redraft steal right now. I would take him any chance I can in a late round of a redraft just because I think you're going to be able to sit it, sit on him and get some good value moving forward. Najee, I expect to still be good just based on his usage. Um, I don't think he's going to be the same guy he was last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top eight running back. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I I like him. I agree he's a good player. Uh, I don't have the exact list in front of me, but I historically, just based on the fact I don't have a lot of him, like to take other guys around his value a little bit more. But I, I Deontay Johnson, I think, is a top 15 wide receiver. I think he's probably the safest wide receiver in the league to continuously hit between 15 and 8. Like, I think that's pretty easy to predict. So great for Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens. Those are the four values I think are going to return. Kenny Pickett, in terms of quarterbacks, I would easily take him inside my top 20 with no problems. Chase Claypool, he's sitting, I believe he said 35 at wide receiver. No problem with that. If I'm in Dynasty, I would gladly take him over some of those older vets that are kind of pushing into that level. Like Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, I fully expect them to be better this year, but I think Claypool is going to be a phenomenal player. Interesting. I think that's interesting because I would take A-Rob for sure and Evans over Claypool right now. Yeah, in in Dynasty, just they're both at that age where they're turning 30. Oh, it's fair. They they could fall off a cliff forever for sure. Yeah. And finally, Pat Fryermuth. I love him at his value. I think his value is overblown just because there's not – a lot of tight ends like you that's yeah that's part of it yo there's like, not a lot of you, tight ends you hear tight end eight and you're like but i mean there's at most 15 tight ends in the league to care about in fantasy 
Like yeah. it's it's just not a good position. It, it feels like quarterback. Like if you're not getting these top tier guys, you're just going to stream. And you know what? You're kicking that value down the curve. Oh, yeah. I think Pat Fryermuth is fine. I'm okay taking him at that position. I imagine I'm taking other players ahead of him at that position, at other positions. But I mean, just in terms of straight tight end, I'll take Pat Fryermuth there all day. Sure. It just stop paying elite prices for replaceable value. And Pat Fryermuth is that. He's the tight end eight, but anyone in the league can finish as a tight end eight on any given week. You just need a touchdown. Conklin could end up having as many tight end, excuse me, as many tight end one games as Pat Firemuth next year. He has the same chance. Same chance. I so don't just know about that. At 100%, 100% he does because all he needs is a touchdown. That's it. Touchdown. You're in the top 10. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's not that hard. I'll take any bet you want of Pat Firemuth more touchdowns than Tyler Conklin. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I just I, I can't allow this Pat Farbuth uh, uh, value discourse to to carry on. Look, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna get into Baltimore, and then we're gonna get the heck out of here and let you enjoy the rest of your Monday. This next clip here, actually, I'm not gonna tease Dave like that. Not gonna tease Dave like that. Here's another clip from our show with Noah Hills last week. The big back role in LA sucks. It's a yes. bad role. Like, like you're you're spinning a, a, a die hoping for a touchdown so you can get nine fantasy points. Otherwise, it's terrible. It's I agree. This is like my I, I hate this. Like anyway. I agree. That's why I wanted to point it out though, because some things we were saying use to prop up Damian Pierce, we use to uh, kind of slight spiller. So I just thought that was that was very interesting to me. Yeah, I learned a lot on that that show with Noah Hills. Tons. That guy is an RB. We call him the RB Whisperer for a reason. That's what he is. Guys, I figured in the first show we would take care of this like now because otherwise I'm just going to end up talking about Baltimore like six more times. So we're going to talk about Baltimore, but first I want to talk to you a little bit about best ball mania. If you watch Saturday's show, Cashing Considerations, we drafted a live best ball show, but the best place to play fantasy football this summer is at Underdog Fantasy. Their Best Ball Mania 3 tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. Underdog gives you the best score each week of the season, and the highest score at the end of the year wins. The champion of Best Ball Mania last year drafted in June, so there is no time like the present to join Underdog Fantasy and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. Again, we did on Cash Considerations this past Saturday. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with promo code FULLTILT. That's four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the app store. Sign up to underdog with promo code full tilt and draft your best ball mania three team. Win a million dollars. Live a happier life. That's underdog fantasy promo code full tilt helps us helps you helps everyone around you get that money. Baltimore Ravens. Oh man. That's a lot to get out in one gust there. Look, the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, I think their biggest losses are completely countered 
by what they're getting back off of injury. Obviously, the whole discourse about the Ravens' injuries last year was tilting. It was a very tilting experience from where I was sitting. And I promise we did them second, so I wouldn't talk for 90 minutes about Baltimore. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to sit here and rant about Greg Roman. Uh, we are. This is going to be non-homer, I don't know, quote-unquote analysis, if you want to use that word. But returning... Obviously, Lamar Jackson, we get J.K. Dobbins back off injury, Gus Edwards back off injury. I don't think Justice Hill even makes the team. I think his career is probably over. So we're going to go to the added Tyler Batty. Uh, They signed Mike Davis, who I think is training camp fodder and emergency use only. Uh, He's there. Obviously, Hollywood Brown is gone. He has been traded. That frees up Rashad Bateman to take over and leaves again. Same thing that's been there for a few years a huge gap at the second wide receiver spot in Baltimore. They've got Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, Jalen Moore, and a bunch of guys I've never heard of before. Obviously, Mark Andrews is back. Nick Boyle, we'll see if he makes the team. He may not. They got they drafted Charlie Collaire and Isaiah Likely in the fourth round. I think they were bad draft picks, but whatever. Fullback Patrick Ricard is on the team. Then they also have Ben Mason, two fullbacks, so shout out. And, of course, Ronnie Stanley coming back off injuries. I'm concerned that Ronnie Stanley will never be the same anymore. Uh, That's just a whole different thing. Two injuries, multiple ankle surgeries, not good for your stud left tackle. But they have Tyree Phillips, who is a monster of a human. They have Ben Cleveland, who's a monster of a human. Obviously, Zeitler's back. They drafted Linderbaum, and they signed Morgan Moses. The offensive line got better and will get better for Baltimore. Watching... uh, Villanueva get absolutely bitch slapped week in and week out was very hard to watch and it stunted Lamar Jackson big time. What might surprise people is the distribution of targets from, well, I guess maybe it won't surprise. They only had 82 targets to running backs. That was one of the lowest in the league, 172 targets to Baltimore, which obviously 154 of those went to Mark Andrews. So obviously he is tight ends. Yes. Oh, who did I say? You just said to Baltimore. Oh, yeah. The Baltimore. I'm so sorry. I get it. It's going to be a difficult one for me to get through. Uh, The Baltimore tight ends. I just assume everything is Baltimore discourse. And only 337 targets to the wide receivers. And 145 of those targets are gone. Big question marks in that offense. Obviously, I think we're kind of thinking that they drop their passing attempts uh, compared to how they did last year. Their passing attempts last year was absolutely insane. But Mark Andrews had a 91 uh, passing grade from Pro Football Focus, obviously top on the team. And then the only, get this, the only other player who had a 70-plus ranking on passing plays in Baltimore was quarterback Josh Johnson. No one else hit 70. Lamar Jackson, 65.9. That's not good. Proche, 66.5. Marquise Brown, 68.7. Uh, we even have Rashad Bateman at only a 65.2. Not good. They were not efficient as an offense. But for the first half of the season, Baltimore was doing absolute gangbusters. So, oh, sorry, we have more Pancake Pat. That's right. That's what's up. And we are going to talk about this, Dave, because I disagree with this big time. Big time. Obviously, the big-time players in Baltimore are going 
very high in their ADP. Mark Andrews is the second tight end off the board. Lamar Jackson, number four. J.K. Dobbins is 14. Rashad Bateman is the 30th receiver off the board. I actually think that's really low. Gus Edwards is a 61st running back off the board. That is criminally low. Criminal. How are you going to have two running backs coming off ACL tears? One of them's going 13.6, and the other one's going 61. Insane. Batty at 67 and Prochet at 127. I didn't even bother looking up Duvernay. I don't know who the wide receiver two is going to be, guys. Don't ask. Billy, Baltimore's offense. What are you excited for? What are you looking for before we get into some of the numbers? What are you excited for in the Baltimore offense this year? Yeah. Buddy, I'm worried about this offense. Like, as, as much as I don't want to say it, it feels like Baltimore put a lot of faith in Rashad Bateman. And if Rashad Bateman, I, I know you're all for him, and I like him I'm, too. I'm not. I, I don't think he is this guy. I don't think he's the guy that you can go, we need you to guard everything in our offense like we have mark andrews he's a phenomenal player we need rashad bateman like i just i don't see him as this player who the offense can funnel through and obviously the offense is going to funnel through mark andrews but i mean lamar jackson threw under 400 passes last year and 150 of those went to marquis well okay but he threw under 400 passes but he was on pace for like 485 Sure, sure. Remember, he sure. was gone after week 12, I think. But then Hollywood was on pace for 180 like at that point. Like yep. Hollywood was a target machine last year and all that's gone. And they are not pulling off the, I don't care. There is very few situations I'm drafting a wide receiver on the Ravens that's not named Rashad Bateman. Oh, I think, you can't. You can't. I think Will Fuller makes a lot of sense to go there. Don't care. Like it. I just. I don't. I don't want it. But like Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, they are the only players I care about on this offense that aren't quarterbacks. Like I. I just. I don't care. Like it, no, which it's is funny because I think. Care. I think they're going to be a top five offense. I just. I don't want them for fantasy. I think Dobbins could run for 1,600 yards if he's fully healthy. I don't want him for fantasy. Like, yeah, his cost is so, crazy. It's so bizarre how bullish I am on this offense and how little like I really care. What's, like, amazing, what's amazing about that statement, Billy, is that's how Baltimore has been viewed for years. When they were at their most effective, they were running through one primary wide receiver. They had a bunch of other guys that were just there doing other things. Miles Boykin has always been booty cheeks. He's always been. And now watch, he's going to go to Pittsburgh and score like 15 touchdowns just to spite me. But uh, Toronto Dave here says, so Bateman is the side piece. Kind of. Let's look at some numbers here from Baltimore last year and why I actually have hope Yes, Baltimore's uh, Lamar Jackson and uh, Mandrews are super studs. Agreed. Always have been, always will be. Let's look at some numbers, though. uh, Baltimore's Lamar Jackson had 382 passing attempts. That's 31.8 per game. That was still, oh my God, 29th in the league. 
I think that's only because he missed time. Well, yeah. So we we don't have Tyler Huntley's numbers here, RB, but I don't think it's really going to matter. A healthy Lamar Jackson, I think, finishes somewhere in the 27 passing attempts per game. I think that's where they want to sit. They want to sit 27 to 25 uh, passes per game. He chucks it deep. 54 deep balls in only those 12, 13, I guess 12 and a half games, uh, I believe he played. 54. If you remember what uh, Big Ben's number was, big difference. Red zone attempts, 50, they throw the ball. 18 money throws, he had 29 danger plays. That's obviously not good. He threw 22 interceptable passes, not good. Did have a four-interception game. Two of those weren't his fault. Get off his, his uh, I was about to say something I shouldn't say on the show. Not his fault. Uh, get off his back about it. How about that? Only 16 passing touchdowns, way below his career average. 7.5 yards per attempt. So he doesn't just dink and dunk the football. You got to be okay with the turnovers at that point. Uh, his, his, oh my gosh, where is the number I'm looking for? Here it is. 21.1 fantasy points per game. That's seventh. His expected was 22.07. That was sixth. Lamar Jackson, I think this is his floor. I think what you saw last year uh, is towards when they started to struggle after the whole Miami engage eight game when only every, everyone only blitzed 57 players at once. Uh, I think that's his, his floor because earlier in that year, look what the man did against Indianapolis. He did something no one had ever seen before. Hadn't been done before. The man can throw the football, even the Detroit game, couple of drops by former Raven Hollywood Brown that his stat line looks completely. He was, he was the number one quarterback in the league and he was doing it with players dropping like flies, dropping touchdowns. He did not put up a ton of touchdowns. I think the touchdowns are going to go up his rushing though. 133 attempts in that few of games, obviously was going to hit a thousand yards again. Didn't get the chance. 767 yards. It's pretty damn good, pretty damn elite. Only two rushing touchdowns on 133 attempts. That changes next year. There's no way that sticks next year. I think it's. I think there's no way. Lamar Jackson, Billy, do you see this as kind of being his norm? Can it go up without Marquise Brown? Where are you sitting on his fantasy? Let's go points per game because obviously season long, we don't really want to look at that. But in his points per game is 21 kind of what you're expecting from him. He's going to have massive boom weeks and some dud weeks, but where are you sitting with him and how are you evaluating him right now? Yeah, I think 21.1 points per game is great. I mean, I think I think that's pretty easy to say. You can picture that from him. 50 rushing yards per game, two passing touchdowns, a few hundred yards, that gets easy. Like, the thing with Lamar Jackson... That worries me. <laughs> is uh, I don't know how he's scoring touchdowns next year. Like his O line is good. If he had ten yep, rushing touchdowns, better. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. I don't know how Lamar Jackson is going to score touchdowns next year. See, okay, like he, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, very special player. We have found that out. It makes sense how Cooper Cup continuously scored last year. He is an extremely polished route runner. He's extremely talented at gained open. Phenomenal. I don't think Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman are that level of talent. 
I think Mark Andrews is great. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's easily a top two tight end in the league. I think you can make a really strong argument for him at number one. I just, I don't think he's that player where they need to commit every player on the team to stopping him. You watch Devontae Adams uh, and just players who their job is to beat the entire defense. You watch Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill. They consistently have three players on him. I don't think if you put that much coverage on Mark Andrews, he's going to win at the same tier that he did this year. And I don't think Rashad Bateman is the same level of talent that, you know, some of these other players that have been around Mark Andrews. Okay. So all, all that's to be said, I don't think this offense is built to run something that funnels through just a few guys. I like I, I want to see something from this offense because I believe Lamar Jackson, this was his floor this last year. I just I don't see how we're climbing off the floor next year other than him playing five more games. That's fair. Like, Look, in 2019, the year that they had rookie Marquise Brown, that was his big blow up. Marquise Brown was hurt. And their receiving core was Willie Sneed outside of Marquise Brown, was Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts, Chris Moore, uh, Jaleel Scott, uh, oh my God, DeAnthony Thomas. Not good. We went, oh, and Miles Boykin. We don't call that good. Yet Lamar Jackson had 36 passing touchdowns. I think what this offense is, is built around to hyper target. And Mark Andrews had 10 touchdowns that year. So the offense is going to be around Mark Andrews. And Bateman is more of a prototype. I it, it hurt me to continuously watch them use itty bitty little baby Marquise Brown I, be a primary red zone target. Hang on. I I want to jump in real quick and defend a previous statement. I think Rashad Bateman is good. I think the archetype of Marquise Brown lends itself more to the success that Mark Andrews saw. I feel like I need to defend that statement just a little sure. bit. I think I, the field stretcher that Marquise is lends itself better to what they want to do with Mark Andrews. Continue. Sure. Sorry. But with Prochet and Duvernay, they have field stretchers. And I think that's one of the reasons why they could let Brown go. You have a big body. What was it? It was the first like 13 catches for Bateman were first first downs. I think yeah. that they, they have the field stretchers on that team right now in Baltimore. And yeah, maybe they sign Julio Jones. Maybe they sign Will Fuller. Okay. Well, now they have that threat. The threat isn't about, hey, you have to focus everyone to stop this receiver. You have to stop and focus everyone to stop Lamar Jackson. And you're telling me you have a better true receiver. Bateman is a better true receiver than Brown is, right? Brown is small guy, runs fast. Bateman is a big, technical, strong-handed, physical receiver. Very Anquan Bolden is what I said when they drafted him. He fits that archetype. Over the middle, they can run. What Baltimore loves to do is they run crossing routes across from each other. They run one receiver underneath, and they'll sneak Mark Andrews in behind. Now they have that player they can play on the inside. Bateman can also play on the outside. So when it comes to the red zone, I think they're better in the red zone focusing Bateman over itty-bitty little Brown, who also seemingly wanted to drop half the touchdowns he was thrown. Uh, It's frustrated me since he's been there. So I actually think the offense improves running this way. It just, of course, in the big moments, right? Sammy Watkins' big catch against Detroit to set up the 67-yard field goal. Huge catch. I don't think they even have that guy. I think they'll miss Sammy Watkins, but that's 
besides the point. Yeah. But like I said, let's talk targets. Okay, I'm not worried about Lamar ja- Lamar Jackson overall with his touchdowns as much as you are per se. I am worried, however, about sustained success within this offense next year. I think a lot of people are hyping up the Ravens offense and the Baltimore Ravens. I think there's a very good chance they finish third in this division. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a fun year for the Ravens. I think it'll be fun year for Lamar Jackson and fantasy because the guy's just amazing. But 145 targets are walking out the out the door with Marquise Brown. Tons of targets. And Mark Andrews already had 154 targets. I don't know how Mark Andrews' number goes up. I, I don't think that number can go up. But that leaves Bateman 67 I mean, targets, 100 targets possibly to go up. And I don't think that's underselling how many targets he, he could he could see. Because um, I just don't know where else they go. They don't throw to the running backs. I would love to see them throw to the running backs. But they just they just don't do it. They don't do it. They've never done it. Not since Ray Rice left. It's a so, it's a dangerous thought. I think they might be going to our fourth round tight ends. Oh God. Let even in 2019, they didn't do that though. So Hayden Hurst, uh, obviously, uh, he had 30 receptions. He had 39 targets, 30 receptions. Okay, so maybe we can see Boyle come in and he gets maybe 15 targets, and then Colaire gets maybe a good 15. I don't know how this re- receiving core is gonna it really doesn't... find these targets, but 100 and all we know is 145 walked out the door. That math does not work, given that this is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's crazy I, to think about. I know the Ravens are going to be fine. I know they're going to be competitive in their division. I know they're going to be competitive for what I think is a wild card slot next year. I don't know how they get there. Like, I, I, I pride myself on knowing a lot about football. I pride myself on being able to dive deep on some of these players and catch like a lot that happens here. I have no idea where it goes because mm-hmm. it's going to go somewhere. I I don't see Rashad Bateman being a 130, 140 target player. I don't see it has to be. Has to be. I, I don't see Kolar like I loved Charlie Kolar. Yep. I don't see him and likely making up more than 60 targets between them. And that'd be a Dob- lot. That'd be way too much for rookie tight ends, too. Dobbins is, I mean, like is Dobbins Dobbins is going to 83 targets, not even talking about the Marquise Brown targets. 83 targets last year went to Dobbins. Do we think well, that number back. is going to go up or went to running back? Sorry. Do we think that number is going to go up? There's they I have I, to, but to what to a hundred who's catching all these balls. Gus Edwards is, I mean, not Gus Edwards is fine. He's not like him and Dobbins are almost redundant in how they win. And neither of them are very much in the past. Catch. I know. Dob- like the match just doesn't check on the Ravens. I, I think that's my final point is there is value to be had here. So your late round pick on the Ravens, be it Gus Edwards, Kalar, likely if you are in love with Duvernay, if you kind of like James Prochet, I don't know how you do, but props to you. Like, take take a flyer on them. Because someone on this team, if this is the roster go, we're going into now, someone on this team beside Rashad Bateman is going to have their targets go up 50 from last year. I don't I know who it is. I don't know how to track that math. Someone is going to be a screaming value. 
I hope it's the running back. So let's talk about Devonta Freeman for a real, real quick second. Cause again, Dobbins and Gus are coming back off of injuries and they used a really weird set of running backs in Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman It's really hard to watch. However, Get this from Lamar Jackson. Pittsburgh, eight targets, five receptions, 97 yards, and he scored the touchdown. Obviously, that was huge. He was the running back nine on the week. Then he had five receptions, one reception, two, yeah, three, two, three, three. Those numbers need to go up. The running back numbers need to go up in Baltimore for receiving. And if that happens, if that happens, I think that is the only way you can explain J.K. Dobbins' 14th running back off the board ADP. I think that's I think I think it's fine. We're talking about a player who was drafted into a committee. He had a huge breakout at the end of the year in his rookie year, gets injured, season long misses a year, comes back in the offense. We don't know. Uh, I think if you're gonna target somebody on this team, it's Tyler Batty. Beatty, Batty. Yeah. I don't even know how to say that name. You free, have to free free player. Free player. One hundred or he's the sixty-seventh player off the board at running back. 67th yeah. running back off the board. You have to take a flyer. If I had to pick another receiver, I don't want to. It's disgusting. It is Duvernay. Duvernay. But you're absolutely right. And that's the problem. And that's the one I wish we had more time to really get into. We're losing 145 Marquise Brown targets. And we watched how that offense ran through them. It is. It was Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews. And in their big games... They were world beaters. Marquise Brown was a top eight receiver in the league prior to Lamar Jackson's injury. That is not like you can't ignore that. And I think Bateman can, for the most part, do everything Marquise Brown does. It is just really hard to see a player like Rashad Bateman, who had 46 receptions, only 515 yards. He only had seven deep targets go his way. He had only had five red zone targets go his way turning that like it's hard to see him turn that into 15 to 17 fantasy points per game and be an elite option. It's, I, I, I can't see it. Yeah. I will fight the Dobbins discourse a little bit. Um, I think Dobbins should be drafted exactly one spot ahead of Nick Chubb. Wherever Ooh, you are drafting Nick I just, Chubb, I will take Dobbins right after or right before him. Like Why? Uh, he's younger. He has okay. less of a committee. He runs. He's. The I same don't think Dobbins has less of a committee. Cleveland think, didn't have Lamar Jackson running the football 122 times. Fine. I think Gus 33. Edwards. I I think Gus Edwards is an NFL running back. Sure. I think Kareem Hunt is that. If he's alone, is a top 15 running back in the league. Sure. And. I the I view J.K. Dobbins and Nick Chubb very similarly. Just J.K. Dobbins is three years younger. Like okay. it, it, that's that's the way you got to go about it. They win in the exact same way. And J.K. Dobbins was really good his first year. Like we we were talking about Najee running three hundred times. J.K. Dobbins ran a hundred and thirty and had eight hundred yards. Like talk about efficiency averaging six yards per attempt your rookie year at the age of 21. Yep. I know. I agree. He's, he's been a phenomenal player. The thing with Nick Chubb is the man does not finish outside of the top 10, uh, not since his rookie year in points per game. And again, Dobbins needs to get that 200. Oh, let's see. In 2019 it was 298. It's kind of insane. 
but there, it's the receptions, 36, 16, and 20. Domins needs to hit 25, 30, I think, to return that kind of value. And so, I, I think just given what has to happen, I see no way that Dobbins isn't getting that. Like, I don't think he's going to be this next tier, like 60 reception guy. I There's no way that if this stuff is going to be consistent with the Ravens, Dobbins isn't pushing 30 receptions easy. Okay, I can kind of see that. One one thing with Dobbins, too, I remember from his rookie year, and it feels like it was so long ago, uh, obviously, with him missing a season. It feels like yeah. it was so long ago. They did try to pass the J.K. Dobbins, I feel like, quite a bit. So I'm just going to pull that up for 24 you. 24 targets in 15 games. Right, and for a rookie where he didn't really play in the first half, he had 18 receptions. So that's pretty good. That's on pace. If you put that, he's starting for a full season. I think he does hit 35, 30 receptions. And again, in the big games, the Green Bay game, oh my God, the dump-offs from Tyler Huntley to the running backs is what helped make them. Everyone drops back. They're spying Lamar Jackson. You dump it off to the running back. Be more efficient. Final thoughts on Baltimore before we get out of here, Billy, and then we'll set everyone away for the rest of their day. Yeah. I the. I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again. I think Bateman (laughs) is going to be 150% of what he was last year. I think Andrews is going to be the same, maybe a tad worse. And like, I, I don't know what, I think there's a lot of flyers you should take on this team. I think Tyler Batty is a great one. I think Devin Duvernay is a fine one. And I think both the fourth round tight ends are fine ones. Like a lot of those players, you can just pull off dynasty waivers and legitimately all of them could have over 60, 70 targets this year. Like I, I, I think there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of good here. There's not right now. Yeah. I mean, that's a strong point. My final point on Baltimore is obviously the stars are going to be stars and you have to really believe in Bateman because what other choice did Baltimore have? If you think Baltimore is going to be good, then you have to think that Bateman is, is going to be able to take that step up. And it's scary as a diehard Ravens fan that I am, I will say this because I'm not going to get another chance to talk about them on this show till the beginning of the year. I'll probably sneak a few in there. Uh, A couple of you, Greg Romans uh, are going to come across but for the most part, I'm terrified. Uh, either this team is going to go back to the hyper-efficient 2019 or we're going to get 130 targets to sophomore Rashad Bateman needing everyone to stay healthy. Imagine if Bateman goes down to an injury. Fuck. And you have to be ready for that. We're, the Baltimore offense is terrifying. You're starting two running backs coming off injury. Lamar Jackson also coming off a ankle injury that proved if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, that offense is fucked. Uh, Mark Andrews is the goat. Pray for his health. The Baltimore Ravens need everything to go their way in a top three division in football. I think it's, I think it is scary, but the last caveat is anytime Lamar Jackson is healthy, anytime Lamar Jackson is healthy, he can be the quarterback one on the week. And he doesn't need a whole lot to do it. So keep that in mind. Lamar Jackson should be a top five dynasty quarterback, obviously. Some people disagree. He shouldn't be. Draft him as such. With that, uh, look, 
We have a great time over here on the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. This show is a little bit different. It's a little off time. It's kind of a bonus episode, so we go off the rails sometimes. But we're here. We made it through. That was the first two teams. We are going to be in rhythm full board next week with our mate Tom Lee over there. Billy, shout out to you for joining us today. Uh, obviously taking the time out of your regular scheduled programming to join us. But we are here. We are at it. We are back tomorrow on the True North Fantasy Football Network with the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. We are back Thursday with the Full Tilt Devi Podcast, which we weren't able to do last week or going to do it this week. And then, of course, we're back here on Triple Play. For the Fantasy Walkabout, with that, be kind to everyone on the internet. Don't be a giant piece of shit uh, as well, if you can help it. Of course, remember the clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose your best days. Well, they're always been tilted. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us.